You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode, what are we at, 131B. Tales with Tierra, I'm your host, Terry Ryan, and I do apologize, no guests today. I know you guys like the guests later in the week, but uh, yeah, I've been extremely busy on a new movie I'm pretty excited about. Uh, can't really reveal much about it, it's called Made to Kill. And uh, I'm really enjoying my role, but uh, yeah, you'll you'll find out in a few months. But anyway, it's uh, obviously unpredictable hours, all hours, and uh, it's hard to get guests and nail them down. So, but I figured I'd put out a weekend episode. Why not and answer some of your questions? So I might as well get right into it. <clears throat> um, okay, well. Yeah, let's get right into it. The first question comes from Chris. Chris Benote, is that how I say that? Uh, anyway, Chris says, hey, Terry, huge fan of your podcast. One question I have that might be interesting for you to talk about on the show. Uh, hockey is a game of emotion and fights and can definitely change the emotional landscape of a game or fights can definitely change the emotional landscape of a game or help change the momentum. That said, sometimes guys do over the top celebrations 
or gestures after fights. Seems like this is generally frowned upon, I guess. What are your takes on that? And have you ever seen some seen it come back to bite somebody in the ass? Yeah, uh, I, I was guilty of it, to be honest. I, I was really a, a passionate player that really got fired up when we scored or I scored. Maybe uh, maybe it's time to, to post some of my sellies in junior. You know, I haven't posted in a while, and I guess I've gained a lot of new listeners and followers since uh, in the past year or two. So maybe, maybe I will. But anyway... I was big on that and momentum and everything, but you got to do it at the right time. Uh, even some of my teammates would often laugh or give me shit going, hey, T-Bone, it's 7-2, to two, you know? We know we had the game won. You know, it'd be a lot of fun, but I, I would always say, you know, better that than 3-2, to two, and then the team comes back and there's egg all over my face. <clears throat> Once I did, uh, I did the fisherman, I... You know, we used to do these in junior, specifically myself, B.J. Young, Greg Schmidt, Aaron Asham. Um, there was a a group of us. Scotty Burt just got back from Rapid City. See Scotty. Without naming guys, it was basically the whole team, man. We we would go out, and it was it was largely during the first, second, or third third star celebration, and it started seeping into when we scored goals, and you know it was just a lot of fun. We were junior players, and we used to come up with these, you know, these celebrations. I told you guys about the hot stick which Alex Ovechkin ended up using. Yes. Yes, that was my move. Um, you want more on the story? It's uh, crisp. It's in Tales of a First Round Nothing. They're a nice Christmas present. But uh, without getting right into it, yes, I did. I, I'm not just making that up. I know it sounds like a huge claim, but the hot stick move, BJ and I, God rest his soul, Used to, uh, it might have been his idea, and I pulled it off. I went out and did it after, I think it was a first or second star or something. And then I did it after a goal. And uh, I played with Jose Theodore, who I believe showed it to Alex Ovechkin. And hence the uh, hot stick move. He, His goal was a little bit more important than mine. Uh, 50th goal of the season, I believe it was for Alex, like 12 years ago. But anyway, getting ahead of myself. Those sellies. Uh, so there's a time and a place. Now. It did happen, you know, for a while. And I would think that way, too. If someone did it against my team, fine. Okay, you're going to do it. And I also knew I had to answer the bell, okay? And, yeah, okay, God, I fucking ramble. But when I did it against the St. John Flames in the AHL, I remember Rocky Ty did it at the Fisherman at the end of the game, and it was on an empty net goal. I was pretty excited to get a goal early in my pro career. But it was an empty net goal, and I took my stick, and I simulated a like a fishing rod, and I went down the ice, and David Ling... Uh, my teammate, blind mate, picked up on it and <clears throat> kind of went to the other end of my quote-unquote stick, which was my fishing rod and kind of played the role of taking a fish off the hook. Anyway, it was funny. Everybody laughed, but Rocky Thompson put a bounty on my head and first shift next game, I'm serious, like slap shot. First shift next game, I fought a big lefty, good guy, Matt Odette. Matt's now involved in coaching. But uh, real, real big lefty, tough guy. So I had to answer the bell, obviously, right? But I think the era kind of changed. Let, let the cat out. Six o'clock in the morning here. Um, yeah, so I'll give you an example. I 
the other night, Matthew Kachuk scored for Florida, and he was back in Edmonton. I shouldn't say back in Edmonton. He played in Calgary, but back in Alberta. So even though you know he played for the Flames, it was somewhat of a homecoming to a province that he lived in and gave you know a bunch of good years to a team and hard worker, great player. There was just a little bit of turmoil in how he left. So anyway, he scored the first goal against Edmonton, and you know he did the Hulk Hogan ear, listen to me, or can't can't hear you, whatever it might be, whatever that fucking gesture stands for. But there was really no repercussion, and I don't even mean with the fists. I mean on the scoreboard. So last year in the playoffs, Edmonton knocked out Calgary. Matthew was playing for Calgary, and he did that a few times. Now in the end, they lost. But I don't even think people cared anymore. Like the other night when he did that, Edmonton came back and won the game. So I guess it came back on him. But I don't even, honestly, I think that these, uh, what's the word, man? Uh, Like Instagram moments are more popular and popular. I mean, we didn't do it for that reason. We did it to rub it in. We did it to have a laugh. But I think now people are doing those sellies and those gestures a lot for the clip, for the Instagram, for whatever you want to say, for the media clip. And I think it's so acceptable that people don't even really take offense anymore. I can tell you to this day, if someone did it against my team, I would definitely let them know. And it would probably result in a fight. Just just keeping people honest. You know, there's got to be checks and balances out there and It doesn't burn me that much, but hey, it's a bit of a slap in the face to my team. And fuck it. You want to go? You don't want to go, don't do it. You know? You want to start some shit here, Matthew, or whoever? You know, bring that into my house, especially in my rink. Jesus Christ, that would mean a fight every time. It just doesn't anymore. And uh, without sounding like an old man yelling at the clouds or some fossil that can't get over 19 fucking 85 it's fine i just know how i would take it and as an athlete no matter what era my brain is wired that you at least have to answer the bell once you uh decide consciously to go out and make a move like that just my opinion take it as you will next question comes from nick nick he says Question for the pod. What's your favorite beers, if you could pick five? And what's your favorite food before a game? Okay, from Victoria. Uh, Let's see, Nick. I can't really give you five beers, first of all, because I might have a sponsor one day. Second of all, I have my own drink coming out after Christmas. I need need as much support as I can get with this because it's an area I've, I've ventured into a lot of areas I'm kind of familiar with, but never this one. No, but to answer your question... I drink mostly to bat. I don't mind saying that. I got good friends from around here. Jeremy Hart being the main one. I grew up with Jeremy. And Jeremy started working with Labatt in his 20s and is still a big part of Labatt in Newfoundland and Canada and has worked his way up. And uh, among uh, over the years, we've remained really good friends. And not, not just him, but his whole crowd at Labatt's. They've been real good to me here in Newfoundland. And... Uh, you know, that's mostly what I drink now, okay? Now that'll, I'll always be fairly loyal to Labatt for, for what they've done to me, or done for me. 
Um, but of course, things are going to change after Christmas. Yeah, all I can do is say stay tuned, and I'm pretty excited. But uh, I can't really reveal much. But I will have a name, and I will have a look, and I'll have more of a brand after Christmas. So stay tuned. Now, why do I eat? Oh, God. Before games, generally pasta, generally a bit of protein. I mean, the big thing for hockey players, especially in pro, it used to be, you know, about 12, 1 o'clock, we'd have a buffet ready for us. Some steaks, some chicken, uh, sometimes some fish there as an option. Usually pasta with two sauces and go mad, you know, some salad, even in the NHL. That generally, generally was the plan for me. It was offered. Now I think there's a little bit more maybe some more options. Basically, look, I, I can just keep beating a dead horse. That's generally it. You know, a little bit of pasta, a little bit of protein. For me, over the years, that kind of changed. Um, you know, I like to eat really, really early and then maybe a little snack before the game. I like to be hungry for the game. And I like to just not necessarily nap in the afternoon. Sometimes it comes to that, but I like to have free time in the afternoon. So I honestly eat like either a big breakfast practice. Okay. And pro would generally be nine or 10 o'clock in the morning, even in senior hockey, same sort of plan, get up, get a stretch, get my legs going one way or the other. If it's not skate, go for a long walk, light jog. Okay. And then, yeah, I, I eat as early as 1130, 12 kind of would be pushing it for me. And, uh, it, she doesn't have to be past it. I, I always have some level, you know, omelet with chicken soup and a sandwich, whatever it might be, man, that's going to be fairly good for you. No fast food. Give me some energy. And then later in the afternoon, I might have a protein bar. Who knows? Half a muffin with a coffee. Generally be hungry for the game. And then during the game, just pound the fruits in. I got lots of oranges and the Gatorade little gel caps, whatever they are. So, I know that's not a very specific answer, but that's my plan on a game day, okay? And, uh, of course, my plan always involves music, so I get to the rink earlier than everybody else. Uh, I like to get there 2 o'clock in the afternoon if I can. Read some of a book or uh, chill, man, listen to music, turn off all the lights and sit in my stall and kind of meditate. I know that sounds funny, but I did that quite a bit. Whatever it takes to get me there, and that's different day to day. I'm not one of these guys that does the exact same thing every day. But uh, generally, generally, that's the plan. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, this one comes from Joss. Joss, this is a little bit different. I don't usually get these kind of questions about love advice. Uh, hey, man, how you keeping? I've watched all your fights from the UK growing up since we had them on YouTube. 
but I've gone and thought of a deep question for you. How'd you deal with the with a big L from a girl that you loved? Finding it difficult and would appreciate your guidance, man. There was love, but we were both scared of it. Worst situation of my life. Well, Josh, first of all, was there love and were you both scared of it? Uh, or is that your opinion and she thinks otherwise? Because if you're on the same page, there was love, and you assume that you were both scared of it, it doesn't seem like you are now. It seems like you're dealing with some sort of a loss. Uh, so I'm going to assume from your question you're on the same page. Okay, now that's for you to find out, though. Uh, and I say that because I've been in the situation. You can't always speak or assume what your partner's thinking, you know. Um, speak for your partner or or assume what they're thinking. But anyway, how do I deal with it? Same way, man. Music, friends. I've, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of heartache. I know what you mean. And um, it's horrible. When I say I have anxiety, I generally just get this general nervous anxiety. If I have something coming up, it gets a little worse. If I'm in some sort of a, you know, if something touches my heart, if it, it's not always a relationship. I remember when my daughter, when my my daughter's mom moved to Calgary and, and, and Penny Lane was going to move, she ended up staying here in Newfoundland, but she was going to move and I couldn't sleep for a week. And I remember thinking like, this brings back memories of just heartache, right? A lot of that comes with love relationships, but you know, there's an anxiety that's kind of common to any kind of bad news. So the last time I had it was when Penny Lane was going to leave. That was six months ago. Before that, I won't get I won't get too deep. But there's there have been some girls that I've really fallen for. I don't like doing it. I don't usually open my mind to it because it just takes up a lot of time in your mind. Right? Girl gets in your kitchen and uh, or a relationship, you know, or or maybe it's long distance and you guys want. I mean, I can't speak for every relationship, but the general, 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 Jesus, get the marbles out of your mouth. The general feeling that I get or the general, the, 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 the human nature, you know, is, is, is to have these feelings and, and to, especially for the other sex or, or whatever you're into. If I'm, you know, I'm sure just by law of averages that a lot of people I'm speaking to are gay. Doesn't change it. Same shit. You know, uh, whoever you're into, whoever you're in love with, you know, if things don't go well or there's breakups and there's ups and downs and yeah, that can get real tough for me. I mean, it can keep me up all night. It can keep me up all week. And there's, there's this emptiness inside, a void that can't be filled. It's horrible. It's the worst. I'd rather fucking get pneumonia 10 times over. I'd rather run two marathons back to back. I'd rather fight Taidomi with my fucking hands tied behind my back naked than have to deal with that. It's the worst. So listen, reach out. I know you asked me. You reached out to me. I appreciate that. You know, even just listening to this little segment, listening to my podcast. I, I, I'm, I didn't read the whole message. Joss went on to say how listening to podcasts, my podcast helps. Yeah, you know, do do whatever you can like that. That's what I do. I fill my time, man. I fill my time. Uh, the worst thing you can kind of do, at least I can do, is is it's easy to hit the bottle, right? Oh, I'll have a beer or two, and then you're fucking 12 in at fucking 3 in the afternoon, and that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help me. It makes my anxiety worse. Then I wake up the next day, 
And not only do I have to deal with heartache, I have to deal with hangover. And I hate it. Uh, so hang in. There's no easy answer, Josh. There is no easy answer. But uh, I tell you that you're not alone. There's all kinds of people. Most people in the world go through what you're going through. It's called human nature. And you need uh, you just need a strong support system and you need to be mentally strong. So good luck. And I hope that uh, you come out on the other side. I'd wish you guys the best, but who knows? Maybe the relationship is uh, not going anywhere. And I, like I said, I can't speak for somebody else. So, But uh, I do totally identify with your situation, Josh. So good luck with that, my man. Okay, this comes from Don. Don, hey, Terry, got a question for a future pod from the Shorzy, or the Shorzy soundtrack's phenomenal. Joe Dolo has quickly become my eight-year-old daughter's favorite. I was wondering if you could talk about how much of it you knew beforehand. I didn't know most, most, uh, most, but love it now. Send love to Senior. Well, there you go. Thanks a lot for tuning in to me and Senior and our misadventures. And uh, the Shorzy soundtrack? Okay, so Jared and I are pretty good friends. We do share a lot of music. I know Jared has a very good knowledge, especially of the kind of music that comes on that show. But in general, Jared has a good knowledge of most genres of music to some degree. He's well-versed. And not only that, but when Jared, and I say Jared because he's the creator that I know the most. There's obviously more than one person doing this, but most of the show is uh, Jared Kiso, Jared's mind, and... Uh, his experiences and I don't ever really try to sway him at all. We just, and, and I don't know what's in there. I, I wouldn't want someone in my head when I, if I was creating something every day. So I leave that to him. So do I know what's coming? No. Uh, he gives us an idea, but he changes it up. I know the, the, the scene that ended up born to be alive. So that that's my favorite scene. I think the dressing room or the hallway brawl. Uh, that we get into, I think it's in episode five. Uh, that's a bit of a laugh. That was fun to shoot, but there was another song completely. As, as we were doing that, Jarrett um, kind of told us what song we'll be playing and a complete different vibe happened when the show came out. Um, we'll often sit and talk about music. Uh, I love, I, I, I like electronica and that Jarrett has a great knowledge of that whole world, the groups, the songs. And although I really like it, I don't have a, a, a real grip on that genre. I don't. And we talked about that a lot and he ended up using some of what we talked about in the show, but did I know? No, I had no idea. And nor do I ever try to give writers, you know, I never really try to get involved. I respect the process I know how it can be. If anybody asks me, I will obviously give my input. But uh, as far as knowing anything that's going to happen on the show, I gather information. I can hear things being said as we're filming, but no, I don't. I don't sit there and take notes, and I don't really have an idea what soundtrack we're going to use. I hope that doesn't disappoint you. I have uh, great confidence in whatever's coming. And I do hear some good news that really looks good. We're going to do season two. Uh, and I have every bit of confidence that the music will be absolutely phenomenal, as it always is. Same thing with Letterkenny. If you go back and watch Letterkenny, uh, it's got some huge nuggets. And uh, 
especially if you're a Canadian music fan, because it's not only Canadian music at all. There's all kinds of various stuff from all over the world. But uh, there are some real, real found nuggets from uh, Canadiana and otherwise uh, on Letterkenny and Shorzy. Anyway, do yourself a favor. And if if you don't want to go back and watch every episode and, and, and document the music, they're on Spotify, the playlists, you know, Letterkenny, Shorzy, whatever. And uh, I like to just play them as I'm cleaning the house or whatever it might be i find i find uh jared and company have a real knack for not only music knowledge but matching the scene right it's got to match the scene and again like i said born to be alive really really matched that hallway brawl scene which was my favorite hey terry i live in san jose but my parents are from moose jaw I watched the Warriors a little bit growing up, and I was wondering, in your experience, who were the toughest players from Moose Jaw that you played against? Sincerely, Carl San Jose. Well, wow. First of all, you live in San Jose and your parents are from Moose Jaw. Well, that's uh, pretty unique now, isn't it? And I don't know if you still go back, but those are two extreme, extremely different places for more than one reason, the big one being the weather. Uh, but yes, I did, of course, come across Moose Jaw. Now, listen, I played against Moose Jaw, but when I played in the Western League, and I assume it's the same way because in junior, you know, it's not like you can be traveling like the NHL. There's not charter flights all the time. You're on buses for the vast, vast majority of it. So we only played them twice a year, right? So until I was in Red Deer my last year, and I only went to Red Deer after Christmas, well after Christmas, my last year at the trade deadline. So and my Tri-City three years. So I've only played in Moose Jaw four times, right? I played in Spokane 40 times. So uh, so different. I mean, I remember Tri-Cities even, uh, you know, Seattle is, is, was in our division. Seattle to Brandon meant, Brandon, you're almost in Ontario. It's like a 35-hour bus ride, right? So that's a whole thing unto itself. The Western League, they, they're not fucking around there. Like people say, well, it's good practice for the NHL and, you know, it's a good preparation league. It is because, you know, you've got to have a lot of balls. You got to really have, be mentally tough. It's not just the hockey, man. You're traveling a lot. You, you've got to keep up with your school. Well, you don't have to, but I did. And most people do. You want to graduate from high school. It's going to take a lot of work if you're playing in the Western League because you're on a bus for half the week every week. Uh, sometimes you're gone for three weeks. Now, what are you going to do, right? So that, that you know, that's tough. That's adversity. And uh, not only with school, but with family, friends, and just the grind that it takes on your body in a 72-game schedule as a kid. But that's not what you asked. So listen, I'm going to give you two, two extremes. I don't want to offend anybody that played for the Moose Jaw Warriors. That's a friend of mine. I could go down through... I don't want to play that game. I'm just going to give you two examples, okay? A big guy and a small guy who are both real tough. The first guy I went to Moose Jaw, I was 16 years old, that I couldn't believe that I was really amazed at how tough he was, was a guy named Rob Tremblay. Rob, I remember as being 5'9 or 5'10, like 170 pounds. I, I couldn't believe skating around in warm-up. Watching him skate around in warm-up, we had to warm up separately back in the day. And people telling me that was the tough guy. And sure enough, I can't remember who he fought, but it was like one punch. Uh, and I, 
that first year I was 16, it was a revolving door, man, on that year in Tri-Cities. We didn't make the playoffs and had a bunch of older guys that I didn't really get to know very well. It was a transition year for Tri-Cities and it was my first year, full year in the Western Hockey League. So uh, I, I have a detailed memory. I don't remember, though, who, who, who Rob fought that night, but it was a one-punch situation. And uh, I went back to Tri-Cities, and back then, obviously, there was no YouTube, no social media, but there were VHS tapes that circulated. And the coaches used them a lot. Video was just like it is now. There was lots of video being shown and experimented with. It was just different methods. So I went in Bob Lauks's room, our head coach, and I watched some tapes. Bob had coached in the Eastern Division before he came to Tri-Cities. And uh, this was by the time I was 17. So I went back, and I watched some of Rob's fights. And I'm, I mean it. This guy was legit legit real tough and you know he was it's one thing to be stocky like like <clears throat> Tidomi and he and he was he wasn't a little wimp or anything but he was just real fast skinnier you know than than the average tough guy at the time shorter and just upon first glance didn't look menacing but after I saw him fight was more menacing than anybody in the league because because I mean I would think to myself, someone that small can go and be that tough. And I mean it. Anybody that's listening to this that came through the Western League when Rob did, you'll probably agree with me. One of the toughest players of his era and definitely one of the smallest uh, if, if you're grading tough guys. Uh, and there were a lot of them back then. I hate to use the word goon because many of them, as well as Rob, could really play hockey and were effective role players, not just fighters. But anyway, he was number one. Number two, Reed Lowe. And Reed in junior was so slow. We used to call Reed Lowe speed slow and laugh. But he was tough. And by the time I was in Red Deer, I'd heard big things and we went into play. He didn't fight that night, but I saw him fight more than once. And then we went pro and he was legit. Um, I believe hit Wooster first. And uh, I got into kind of a skirmish down in the corner. I won't call it a fight. We got five minutes for fighting, but it wasn't a fight. In my eyes, it was a wrestling match. But uh, Reed went toe-to-toe -to -toe with some of the best, made his way to St. Louis, meat and potatoes, very, very, very tough player. So those would probably be the two that I remember the most from Moose Jaw itself. Rob Tremblay, Reed Lowe. Look it up. Now, Moose Jaw had a lot of tough players, a lot of two-way players. I remember, uh, you know, guys like... Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith is a Curtis Brown. You know, these guys are two-way players. I wouldn't say tough guys, but tough. No one in their right mind can tell me that Ryan Smith wasn't tough. I never saw him drop his gloves once, but I've said it before about Peter Forsberg, and I'll say it again. You know, don't have to drop your gloves to be tough. Show up. Hockey's a tough fucking game. Not everybody should drop their gloves. If you're not good at fighting... Why would you fight? Give the other team momentum. It would be stupid. But but there are many, many extremely tough fucking players that don't fight a lot. They're Marc Messier's one from back in the day, right? There's lots of them. Uh, but those are two from, two of my favorites, too, from, uh, from Moose Jaw. Shout out to Rob Tremblay. We've communicated since we played. I didn't really know him back in the day, but uh, I know he listens to this once in a while. And Reed Lowe, I've come across a few times and always been just a great guy. And uh, congrats on a great career, Reed. 
There you go. Two guys. Two tough guys. Uh, okay, guys, I got to take off. I got to go back to work. It's a long day of shooting and stunts. Uh, I got to three or four questions. I'm glad I had the chance to do that, and we'll get back to our regular programming next week. I'll have a pod on Tuesday or Wednesday for you, and then we'll have a big-time guest towards the end of next week. Remember, if you're in St. John's, Mr. Lube has two locations, Torbay Road and Camount Road. Live, laugh, lube. You can get your tire rotors now online. Why not do so? Power conditioning for strength, movement, and balance for your body and mind. Check out power conditioning on Rope Walk Lane. I do, and it's really helped me out a lot and make me think more positive as well as feel more positive. Pitbull Pain Relief. Uh, check it out. The pain sticks are incredible. I swear by them. Go to pitbullpainrelief.com. True hockey take what's yours, folks. If you're in St. John's, why not go downtown this weekend and check out my favorite bars, the Bull and Barrel, Trinity Pub, Greensleeves Pub, Rob Roy Confusion, and uh, TJ's. And why not, while you're at it, if you're going to get a bite to eat, do it at Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, of course, Wedgwood Cafe on Elizabeth Avenue, folks. This has been episode 131B. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in just a few days. Catch you guys on the rebound. Thanks again.